He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. The idea is that AI sits right in the middle so that any information flows to the core of your tech stack through the line of code of AI and then populates on the website. And what that looks like is instead, usually it just populates on the website with no intuit intuition. It's just generic, generic and static. But with AI, you can personalize that to a specific person. So that way it flows through the line of code matches it to what persona it's, it needs to show the specific properties to. That way, that guest on that website will see things tailored to them. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. Welcome back to the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Vintory and Safely. About Vintory, we've had Brooke Fotts on the podcast, who is a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, aka more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line. For all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory, you can get a free digital copy of Brooke's book called From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Vintory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and of course your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely and within three business days you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. All right, Slick Talkers, welcome back. We are doing another episode in this AI series that we've kind of put together and out of popularity through ChatGPT and many other things happening in the industry, Evan, my friend, was like, Will, we got to get on and do something like this and talk about it in more depth. And so that's why we're here today. But in this episode, we've also brought our good friend, Brayden, who has not only short-term rental experience and background, but he works closely with Evan at Adaptive. And we're going to jump into how technology is not going to, or how AI is not going to replace technology, but how it's supposed to integrate seamlessly, how to make your data actionable. So Evan, you and I were solo together on the last episode. I want to, one, have you give us a recap. And then secondly, right after that recap, we'll go right into Brayden. Brayden, we'll let you introduce yourself, kind of give us a background and we'll jump into the conversation at hand. Does that sound good? Great. Awesome. So Evan, let's do it. What, what did we talk about last time? 
Give us, yes. uh, give us a high level. Yeah, so high level overview is a lot of, I think there's a major fear that AI is going to replace humans. But in reality, humans that use AI will replace humans that do not use AI. What that means is how do you take existing data and make that actionable? How do you take the data you already have in your PMS, your CRM, your Google Analytics, and use that to drive income passively? And that, that way you can integrate AI solutions that for, in one way can personalize their booking journeys, can increase guest retention and variety of other solutions using AI. But uh, in order to get to that point, you have to have the data. So uh, we spoke about how you can, you can start to cultivate data passively using best practices in e-commerce. We unbundled some of the OTA strategies on how they drive bookings and how they keep their customers around. And the idea is instead of reinventing the wheel, how do we take what the OTAs are already doing correctly and just copy and paste it into direct booking businesses? Because they've already spent tens of billions of dollars figuring this out. Why reinvent the wheel when they've already given us the answer? So uh, we covered a lot of that, the, the overall story, inflection point we're at. And um, today I'm excited for Braden to go a little bit deeper into the technicalities for those more sophisticated listeners. For sure. And for anyone who didn't listen to the first episode, it will be in the show notes. So go ahead, grab it, check it out, because this whole conversation will make a lot more sense if you do. We're not just saying it to say it. Go listen to the first one because it'll actually apply to today. So Braden, my friend, one, it was great to meet you just a week ago or so through obviously Evan, but getting to know your experience and your background, I would love to just kind of have you introduce yourself to the audience and then let's dive into technology and how this all kind of comes together under one. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to have you on the show as well. Well, thank you. Uh, thrilled to be here. Uh, really excited. And uh, it's, it's nice to be paired up with Evan. He opens a lot of doors. So this is great. For those who don't know me, uh, I've been in the short-term rental industry since about 2009. I got my start way back uh, with Bluetech to kind of age me a little bit. I think I answered a classified ad in a newspaper for a support role at Bluetech <laughs> uh, when I was looking for a gig locally. And uh, I got hooked up with those folks. I, I worked in virtually every department at Bluetech over my 14-year career there. By the time I departed, I was our chief product officer and I was a partner there. And so I was responsible for R&D and development or direct booking web platforms, responsible for our distribution software. And uh, I really enjoyed that role in my time there. It was a good blend of technology, hospitality, plenty of client-facing time. Got to really understand the industry and got to meet uh, all the great people who populate it. At the same time, kind of got to keep my finger on the, the pulse of technology and keep evolving. By the time I departed there, we had obviously been acquired by Inhabit IQ and I had taken a role with Inhabit overseeing product development across five or six different brands within that portfolio. So really rewarding time, uh, learned a lot. And I actually got to know uh, Adaptive, then known as Jarvis ML, through that position. So uh, Evan and one of our colleagues were actually talking to me about how our software could integrate with theirs. And obviously I was intrigued and the opportunity presented itself. And so uh, I made the move to join them after seeing the, the results it could produce and the excitement around it. And so uh, thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be with Adaptive and, and joining you today. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know, Evan, we've talked about this a few times in your first episode on Slick Talk, not the one in this series, but the first time introducing you to all the listeners that we have. And I think we talked about how you said, and you've actually recently said this as well, that a lot of short-term rental operators have unknowingly signed up for the e-commerce industry as well as hospitality. So... That was a big takeaway in that episode. And today, 
Braden, I would love to kind of just understand what does that look like and why does that kind of have a specific tie? Like, obviously, it's a good way to associate kind of what we're doing and what this whole technology play with AI is. But I would love to for for maybe for you to to jump into, you know, the ML personalization and how this kind of ties into e-commerce. Sure. And I, I think it's really been interesting to watch the the pendulum swing back and forth a little bit. Because I recall very early in the early 2010s, I mean, the direct booking was also really hot then. It was a big push for customers to break away from dependency on, you know, what was then VRBO. Airbnb really had not come to prominence yet, but it was understood, at least by the more sophisticated customers, that their lowest cost of acquisition was going to come through direct bookings. And to start driving folks through a website that was operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as opposed to a call center that had to be staffed and could be quite a bit more expensive. And we saw a real rush towards distribution and increased accessibility towards OTAs, as you saw you know, investment after investment into VRBO, into HomeAway, into Airbnb, Booking.com's growth in the United States. And so we really saw much more interest in strategic uh, distribution and now I think those chickens have come home to roost a little bit where people are realizing that they're highly dependent on those in some situations. At minimum, they're probably giving up some significant margin. And as you know, the economic belt tightens right now and, and some of the changes we're seeing, there's a lot more focus on profitability these days. And so uh, what's the best way to be profitable? Well, in general, it's going to be to be offering your properties directly to your consumers and doing that through your own property, through your own owned property on the web as opposed to through a third party. And so, you know, the technology on the AI side at the same time has been developing very quickly over the last decade and, you know, only in the last six or 12 months have we really seen it go mainstream. And so we want to unpack, you know, what's, what's possible these days for that technology minded property manager who wants to be current with all of the uh, current technological capabilities, maximize their margin, maximize their direct booking performance, and kind of hedge against some of the instability that we're seeing with OTAs and uh, just grow profitability. So I think also unknown to customers is over the last 20 years, they've generally done a great job in building a database of data, of collecting millions and millions of data points on their customers, their properties, and their owners. And in some cases, this is really unstructured. It's scattered in a bunch of places, but that's where the beauty of AI can really come in, is that for the first time, you don't need a data scientist. You don't need a deployment specialist. You don't need a team of engineers to leverage this wealth of data that you've been slowly collecting over decades. You can point some powerful AI tools that who can make sense of it, can give you actionable insights, can tailor that data to promote properties to the right people at the right time. You know, we're seeing really exciting things with some proof of concepts with ChatGPT for customer service opportunities. So all of that's kind of coming together and coalescing into a real movement towards AI. And, and as Evan said, um, the beauty of it is this is a layer that goes on top of your existing processes, on top of your existing software. It's not a replacement, but we are seeing some real gaps develop between the companies who are effectively leveraging AI and those are those of, who are choosing to do things in a more legacy manner. For sure. And as you were talking, I was kind of just thinking of probably an obvious but more complex question of the sense of why is it like, isn't it just easier and this is a question we've had multiple times, not just in the sense of AI, but in the sense of the book direct. 
Airbnb, Booking.com, Verbo, no matter the platform, they all have their different feel and look and experience for the guests and, and for the host or the property manager. But it's so damn easy. So with how easy it is, isn't it just easier to let that kind of be the feeder for bookings? And why is it so hard? Is it easier because of the capital that they've put into it versus the independents who don't have that capital? What's the big separation for this? Because I, I think a lot of independent people, you know, creating their own brand to the individual host, you know, they don't have one, the capital, but two, like you said, Evan, earlier on, you know, we're not hospitality experts coming in expecting to be in the e-commerce industry and to have to think about data and to think about all these touch points and and pieces of technology that honestly we have no idea. Like I didn't come from a marketing background. So as I'm learning more about podcasting and marketing and growth of my audience, like I don't know about this stuff. So I don't know. I'm just kind of curious for like from a, a tech AI standpoint, isn't it easier that way because of the capital or what what's the big differentiator here? Well, I think first off, it's good to acknowledge it is easier. It's certainly easier to list your properties on Airbnb and on Verbo and let those bookings come in. And frankly, for a lot of businesses, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being streamlined and, and managing things easily. I think the OTAs play an important role in almost any property manager's portfolio. The key is to be looking at that in a critical manner and understanding what is the correct role for those OTAs. Let's make sure we're not overly reliant on it. I think a good example, even in the last week here, is there's been some uncertainty on the future of certain vacation rental properties on Expedia. And there's a, a small percentage of folks who've been asked to be removed from that platform. And so you've really got to look at what you're hitching your wagon to there. And are you putting your business at risk by relying on those third parties? Because it is easy. If I was starting a new property management company and I was capital constrained, you know, those channels are a great way to get going. But as your business matures, unfortunately, it's getting more competitive. There's a lot of capital entering the business. And I think in, in times like this, we didn't get into business because it's easy. Usually these the businesses is going to have some challenges. And if you just go down the easy route, you're going to hit your ceiling pretty quickly. And so it is worth that extra step to develop your own brand, develop your own connection to acquire your customers. You're hedging against any disruption, you know, whether that be a technical disruption, a change in policy. You know, we see Airbnb changing communication policies all the time. It can be more difficult to get that direct connection to a guest. And that could create a long-term reliance on them for a channel and as a channel. And so where that effort is worthwhile is leveraging those OTAs to acquire new customers because they do have audiences. And I think you're right that it's largely because of their capital. But how they've deployed that has been really effective in a lot of cases. I mean, Airbnb in particular has a true tribal following. There are folks who are aware these properties are available elsewhere and in some cases for cheaper, but they book on Airbnb for a variety of reasons. They just feel secure doing that. That's what they've done. They've had good experiences. That's going to be hard to break. So that means we have to honor that and understand that that's a place where we can acquire guests that we're never going to get directly but then we can show them the value uh, after they you know, have a, a great stay with us as a property manager. We can make sure they understand that Airbnb didn't necessarily play a role in their satisfaction with that stay. They can save some money uh, and have maybe an even better experience by booking direct. So um, is it easier? Yes. Um, is it the best thing for the long-term health of your business? In most cases, it's definitely not. And, you know, at Adaptive, our mission statement is to democratize artificial intelligence. And what that means is making it affordable, right? And so these are tools and capabilities that have been deployed by these large players for years now. This is not new to Airbnb. This is not new to booking.com, but it is finally within reach of the average property manager. 
and there's some great places they can put that to use and get traction and even exceed what the the big players were doing just a couple of years ago as a small player. And so that's where we fit in is trying to bring some of those big tools that have proven effective on the big capital allocators platforms, but make that available for virtually everybody. Right. And that's a sure. really interesting point because you mentioned that direct bookings really picked up in 2010. And that's also when the OTAs were going full speed with AI. So when we started driving direct bookings, they started integrating AI solutions to amplify their direct bookings. And now it's been a decade since they started doing that. So uh, they are light years ahead. But hey, like I mentioned on the previous podcast, it's possible to catch up. The e-commerce industry was going against Amazon and Walmarts of the world. But now the direct-to-consumer business has swung the pendulum back into their hands to the tune of Amazon closing 40 warehouses. So just because the OTAs are ahead doesn't mean that the VRMs can't catch up with direct bookings. Well, I was gonna, that's, a, that's a good segue into the, the question I have of, you know, we talk about Book Direct a lot. Evan, you were with me at the Book Direct show in Miami last year. Shout out to Damian Sheridan. But, you know, the Book Direct movement, the number one thing I hear, especially from the Airbnb hosts who are just getting started or maybe have grown a portfolio solely dependent on that platform, is that why would I look at Book Direct as a way to grow my business when I'm doing just fine? Even through COVID, yes, I lost control and they refunded all my guests and I had to pretty much sit there with no revenue. People still say like, you know, it's been a great resource. It's been a great tool. Why should I look at this? It's so much harder. Obviously, like you said, Braden, business, we don't get into business because it's easy. If we did, everyone would have one and, you know, life would probably be a lot more difficult for a lot of people because everyone would be running a business and it would be kind of chaotic. But when it comes to these types of like it, it feels like you can never catch up i think is the the thing i hear from these growing professional hosts who are building a brand they are thinking about the website but man another website another thing another tool crms google analytics all this stuff kind of puts a little bit of a freak out on them so you know when it feels like you can't catch up what's some things that you could say to those listeners potentially that again are a little nervous, are a little hesitant, feel like they can't keep up, but you know, you can give me some advice or that can make it feel more tangible for for the the soon to be property managers that are are currently hosts. I mean, the first thing I would say is that it's really never been more easy to stand up a direct booking solution. I think if you're of a size that you're even considering property management software. If you have more than a half dozen properties and the, the spreadsheet method isn't working for you anymore, and you're making the move to professionalize your business and get into software, virtually every solution out there is going to have some sort of either out of the box web solution that could work for you, or they're going to have relationships with agencies that have a nice productized website where you can pay a relatively low monthly fee and have a secure fast, you know, well-designed property management, uh, direct booking site. So, I mean, I think if that's something that's been intimidating in the past, it's time to revisit that. There's definitely those folks out there who want to manage their entire tech stack on their own and build things themselves. God bless you. That's not easy. Uh, integrating with property management software has a lot of nuance to it. That's gotten thankfully a little bit easier, but as you said, uh, you've got to keep up with GA. We've got GA, uh, universal analytics sunsetting this summer. We've got GA four coming out. You're taking on what's called technical debt there, right? When you agree that you're going to own your own booking channel, you have to agree to keep that maintained. It's going to, it's going to take some maintenance. It's going to take some, some capital and effort to keep up. 
But it's a pretty simple math equation on if that's going to make sense for you. Because above a certain volume, if you know that with every transaction coming in direct, you're saving, you know, 5% of commissions if you're typically on Airbnb or, you know, 17 or 18% if you're looking at some of the other channels, that's a big swing on margin. And so if you can honestly look at your business and say, would my business not be better off with 10% more net profit? I think very few business owners would would shy away from that unless you're really in that early stage and you're just focused on growth. You're just focused on getting your your brand out there. Um, but I think the other battle that's happening is not just booking direct, but acquiring the properties that it takes to book. You've got to have the homes to fill. And homeowners are becoming more educated these days. They're more sophisticated. They know what to look for in a property manager. And you know, you've got to have a heck of a relationship with them if you think that they're going to trust you to manage their property long term and not have a brand yourself and not have the ability to represent that directly. Because what value are you offering if they could just go list their property on Airbnb themselves? And so you've got to find a way to provide value for homeowners there. Exactly. Evan, I want to pick your brain. Give us some examples on the implementation of AI integrated into a tech stack. So we've made the comment multiple times on this episode and, and previously before this, that AI solutions, especially like adaptive, should not replace a property management software, your CRM. Like these are all things that you should already have in place, but now thinking about integrating AI into it. So give us a walkthrough of a proper integration that you guys see when it comes to either adaptive clients or just in general from an e-commerce business that can be applied to short-term rental operators. Yeah, so when uh, I think when in general, a VRM or someone just thinks about technology, they think about a whole other platform they have to use, another thing to add to their stack. And in reality, they already have all these databases, whether it's their PMS, the CRM, marketing, Google, those are Google Analytics, those are just databases with data sitting in there ready to use. So what AI does is it, connects the dots between all of those databases, allows the data to talk to each other, and then you can then make that data actionable. So in a sense, every business has their core tech stack, their PMS, the CRM, all the stuff they don't want to touch. It's like moving mountains. It's a pain, pain to switch over. So you want to keep that in play. And then at the top, you have the website. That's the user experience. That's how you invite someone into your store. The idea is that AI sits right in the middle so that any information flows to the core of your tech stack through the line of code of AI and then populates on the website. And what that looks like is instead, usually it just populates on the website with no intuit, intuition, it's just generic, generic and static. But with AI, you can personalize that to the specific person, so that way it flows through the line of code, matches it to what persona it's, it needs to show the specific properties to. That way, that guest on that website will see things tailored to them. So the idea of AI is to one, interconnect that data, allow that data to talk so you can draw meaningful connections like what is that guest purchasing power? What are their preferences and affinities? And then you can, you can streamline an output. In Adaptive's case, it's personalization, but uh, there's going to be a variety of solutions that use AI in that same, in that same format. All right, Slick Talkers, now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast, Minute and Hostfully. If you haven't heard of Minute, Minute is the number one noise and occupancy detection device for short-term rental operators just like you. From their outdoor and indoor sensors, you can ensure that with their audio ID technology that you are not getting any false positives for things like wind blowing, 
plates breaking, dogs barking, doorbells ringing, you name it, you will only get notified when there's an actual potential party happening on site. And that could both be indoor and outdoors, especially as we come up to spring and summer seasons. Not only that, but they have amazing integrations from smart locks and other software partners, of course, like Hostfully. Now, if you don't know about Hostfully, then Hostfully is a property management platform built for short-term rental operators to ensure that they have the best connectivity with channels like Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com. Not only that, but they have the best integration marketplace I've ever seen. So that way, operators like you can choose and pick their tech stack without having to force and comply to different operations that just don't make sense for you. Plus, their digital guidebooks are the best in class and your guests will love them because all the information they need to know about check-in all the way to check-out and the destination are right there at the touch of their fingertips. Check out these special offers from our partners, both Minute and Hostfully, in order to ensure that you are getting the best value with your technology as you continue to operate your business. Back to the episode and thank you so much for tuning in to Slick Talk. So where does a human come into play? If we're seeing all these data points, right? This is, you're seeing the purchasing power. You're seeing their type of preferences. You know, you all this data comes in. Where does the human come in and how do, how do you dissect it? Deployment. And I think what we see is that humans are just awful with data and they like to think they're good, but our brains are not meant to handle tens of millions of lines of data in a split second. It just can't. So uh, what we see is a lot of uh, like, they're very talented, these professionals, but they're just constantly mangling data. They're trying to organize it. They're putting out fires. So what AI will allow you to do is if you look at adaptive, where your machine learning engineer, your data scientist and deployment platform all in one. So you take that professional who's very talented and say, hey, focus on deployment. Let the machines deal with the data and all the headaches. You just figure out how do you continue to expand revenue driving solutions? How do you expand AI elsewhere? How do you deploy AI elsewhere? Rather than how do we fix that? How do we do this? Just focus on deployment because deployment is what drives revenue. So I think that's where AI is really going to come into play. All right. You're going to hate me on this question, but what is deployment? Like break that down because I think deployment even because we've, we've said on previous episode too that, you know, these data points talk to each other. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, how does data talk to each other? You and I use words in, in English, but what is AI deployment? What does this look like? You're right. And uh, deployment's as easy as pointing and shooting. So let's say, for example, <laughs> with, uh, with emails, and you already have a monthly email that goes out. Let's add personalized properties there. Boom. Deployed in the, in the emails. Let's say you have a lot of people on your website that abandon their browser or abandon their cart. Add personalized properties to that automated email. Boom, deployed it there. Now you're on your website. You're examining your flow. You're evaluating how it's working. You see that all your, all your web visitors are dropping off at a certain point. Add personalization there to keep them engaged. That's deployment. So it's the idea of going through your existing booking journey and understanding every step of the funnel and finding low-hanging fruit and saying, hey, I think personalization will, will lower more guests into the funnel. And it's, it's sort of just seeing okay, where are the problems and how do we fix it? So that's how I would describe deployment. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think example. that, you know, we, we want to look at, at ways folks we can work with who can creatively deploy these things. I think that's probably the most rewarding part of what I get to do when I'm working directly with customers is if I'm working with a, a talented marketer or a designer, you know, we can look at data and say, these are your top pages and these are the, the flows users are taking through your website. But once folks kind of can wrap their heads around what personalization can do for them, start thinking creatively about new ways we can can leverage that. And so, you know, I think a lot of customers we work with have a really strong content strategy, understand how to answer questions that guests are likely to have, 
well, how can we integrate personalization within that content that they're developing on an ongoing basis? Or if we've got a talented designer, they may not have an interface that's, you know, maybe suitable for recommended properties as is, but how can we get creative and think of ways to fit that in? I think that's a perfect example of what Evan mentioned earlier, where the folks who learn to use AI are going to be the ones replacing those who don't. AI can't replace, you know, the intuition that comes with a, a great designer or a great marketer who's familiar with their audience, but it's a, a force multiplier that they can use to be even more effective with those folks. For sure. And I think the easiest low hanging fruit, we've kind of talked about a little bit, but revenue management. A lot of us are very familiar, especially in the property management space, whether you're a host or a PM, dynamic pricing. We we know there's solutions out there. A lot of people do use them. It's one of the first things I think a lot of people get outside of some kind of access control or digital guidebook or something else like that. So walk us through maybe is there a difference between dynamic pricing and AI? Is dynamic pricing AI? You know, give maybe let's let's talk about revenue because it's good to go in from a marketing standpoint and adding the personalization pieces to an email or to the funnel and the flow of a guest journey on the site. But how does this impact price and how does pricing like, let's say, Wheelhouse or whoever else out there in the space, how does that also come into play? So, I mean, I would say AI driven personalized pricing is coming, right. That, that's not something that's going to, to stay on the horizon. And it illustrates a good example. It's something we run into all the time with standard personalization, even outside of pricing, is that a lot of people think in you know rules-based situations that if this, then that. If I'm five days to arrival and this property is not empty, then I need to drop the price and I can consider some other factors. But you start juggling those factors and it's really easy to see how quickly a human brain can be overwhelmed. And human brains are writing most code right now. And so the, the algorithms behind a lot of those pricing solutions are really only as complicated as a really smart revenue manager can track all of those different factors. AI has a huge opportunity here because certainly pricing, demand, and supply is complex. There's millions of data points. It's constantly evolving. It's a great challenge that we can point AI towards and, and make improvements on. And so I don't know specifically which of the revenue management players out there today are working on AI. I hope all of them at least are investigating it because it's going to arrive quickly. But it's a, a fantastic opportunity because, you know, as much growth in performance as we've seen from revenue management, and it, it absolutely has been enormously effective uh, in the short time it's been in the short term rental space, there is another order of magnitude we can improve there if we get away from kind of simple heuristics and rules of thumb and rules-based thinking and getting back to, you know, acknowledging the wealth of data that's out there. We've got sites we can crawl for demand data. When we've got event calendars, we can crawl. We've got decades of historical reservation information. That's pretty tough to put in an algorithm and it tends to be unstructured, which it makes it a prime candidate to point AI towards. So, you know, speaking for adaptive, we're very cautious about entering the pricing space. It's a competitive area. There's a lot of folks who are doing it pretty well today. We do have at least one customer who we've integrated personalized pricing with. They're in a very unique market in that they have control over uh, more of the market and have more data than the average property manager. So we've kind of done a custom project for them. Um, but I expect revenue managers and possibly adaptive to be moving into that space pretty quickly because it is a, a prime challenge to solve with AI, just given the volume and complexity of the data. Evan, what are your thoughts on that? You, you've talked a lot about deployment in the marketing sense and the, the funnel process, but personalized price, like the difference between dynamic pricing and personalized pricing, what's your, what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, it's an extraordinarily difficult equation to solve. I know the airlines have been trying to do it for a long time and they're still struggling with it. So um, yes, it is coming, but uh, I am very curious to see how it's received because I know airlines have pissed a lot of people off when you get a different price than me. And it's like, no one likes feeling like that. So um, I'm curious to know how it is, how it, how it works with like, I guess, direct bookings. I think it's going to be more so a mix of maybe maybe intent-based promotions. So a family of seven in Beverly Hills doesn't need as much as a promotion to convert versus a, I guess, elderly couple that needs some motivation, maybe needs an extra 10 to 20% off. So I think personalized discounting, uh, maybe personalized packaging. I think it's the, the tertiary industry uh, alongside the supporting industry of revenue management. Um, I can't see it immediately taking huge effect. I think dynamic pricing mixed with, I guess, some intent is going to be how it's immediately implemented. But um, yeah, I think it's going to, I don't think, uh, I don't think most companies are going to want to annoy their guests too much by changing up the price. And no one likes to be bait and switched. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I know a lot of, at least my friend group, we do a lot of, you know, shopping around when we want to go stay, you know, in Steamboat or wherever we want to go together. So if we're all sending in the group chat, different, maybe different lodging options, but we all see it on our phones individually at a different price that could be also very controversial where it's like well why are you getting a better price than me and why is this happening versus that so yeah that could definitely um stir up some relationships i think <laughs> get a little well, uh get a little my, my answer was an emotional answer because i don't like it being done to me it's not a yeah. business answer so it's entirely possible that this is done in the next two years because look what amazon does the other day uh my girlfriend and i were buying product and she went on her computer and she was charged 15% more. She was charged $55. I was charged like 40 something. So it was like, yeah, Amazon's doing it actively and no one's complaining. So maybe it is just an expectation that's going to happen. I would also say it doesn't have to mean revenue management as we traditionally think about it with moving rates up and down. You can personalize how those rates are delivered and how that quote is delivered. And we see OTAs doing this today. Uh, We see a push for things like booking.com has their mobile rates. We see Airbnb presenting rates in different ways and, and presenting total price in different ways in different markets. And that's personalization. That's making sure that, that whether it's by market or by individual, the data that we're conveying to them is presented in a manner that's appealing and most likely to convert. So it doesn't have to mean you know varying prices by person. It might mean we merchandise it a little bit differently. We might offer something to get that customer kind of over that hump in booking if they've been coming to the website repeatedly. We could offer them a little bit of a discount, but I think more commonly it's going to be, let's understand who this person is and present them the information they need to make a decision in a way that's ideally suited for them. And yeah, you see that with booking.com and mobile rates today. You see that with Airbnb and they're all in rates in certain markets. So um, that's certainly coming and it doesn't mean we have to uh, make sure that you know folks are logging in from multiple devices and, and calling their, their family to see who can get the lowest rate on a particular property and game the system. Well, I was going to say, it's it's just kind of funny because if, you know, Evan, you made the comment, if Amazon's already doing it and they're not getting a lot of pushback, then what's to stop anybody else from doing it? And uh, I've been thinking about this recently, actually, just the last few days. It's like, you know, we, we've, no one has pushback because of, you know, it's the big guy versus the little guy. So either way, whether we push back or not, they're still going to do it. So that's the thing. It's like they're still going to implement it because at the end of the day, it's going to drive margin for their business as well. They're not just thinking about the host or the operator. They're thinking about 
what's going to be best for Boogie.com or what's best for Amazon, what's best for our shareholders. And for me, it's like, well, we could all push back. They don't care <laughs> at the end of the day. I don't think, I don't think Bezos is going to, you know, be in a board meeting and be like, well, we've had a couple of customers complain that, you know, Evan's girlfriend paid $15 or 15% more and Evan got it for cheaper. I think we gotta, we gotta calm down here. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, they're still going to do it. It's going to happen. Um, it's, so I guess utilizing it in our best way, like you guys have been saying, deploying personalization in different ways through emails, through abandoned cart methods, and kind of being more on top of that and kind of playing their own game, I think is uh, it's going to be important. Well, I am atrocious at predicting the future, but if I can make one prediction here, it's that when the first person start, when the first company starts to do personalized pricing, they're all going to do it because then you have no choice but to use personalized pricing. So that is one prediction I will make. A hundred percent. I'll back you up on that one. Just like all the football Super Bowl bets that I backed up on uh, this last weekend, because apparently all of them, a lot of them came true. So people will be, be raking in some money this last week. We've covered a lot. I would love to maybe just, again, before we start fully wrapping up the episode, going into, I guess, takeaways, ac actionable. You know, in the beginning, before we hit the record button, we we talked about how do you make this data actionable? And I think, Evan, it was you who said, you know, humans don't know how to organize this data. We don't know, how, like, we're, we're not supposed to be, like, managing this. So let's take an actionable step for the listeners today. How do, how does one make their data actionable. And it could obviously be using adaptive or going into just other tools or maybe, I don't know, give us some some good takeaways for any of the listeners today. Braden, maybe I could give a, like a, I guess, high level overview on how to make it actionable and you can get more targeted. The way I would say to make your data actionable is, is just start doing it. Go in your Google Analytics and poke around. Go ask questions, meet with your teams, your SEO teams, your PPC teams, and just learn the language because that's the future. If we're going to be in the e-commerce industry, we need to speak the language. And uh, Google Analytics is a wealth of knowledge. And if you don't understand it, they have Google Analytics Academy, which is a free course just to give you all the fundamentals. And um, that's the language of the future because how else are you going to understand your guests if you, haven't, if you haven't even met them yet? The only way you're going to understand them is through the internet, which is through Google Analytics. So to make it actionable, first, you have to understand the fundamentals. And the best way to start is just go open your Google Analytics, poke around and start asking more questions. And that will lead to expansion on what you're tracking, what you're following. And then you're going to have a clear view of what your booking funnel looks like. So that way you can integrate AI, which I, I think Braden is going to go down that path. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, we started this conversation off with, you know, that, that cohort of, of folks in the industry who are maybe even intimidated with having a direct booking website and managing that. So let's be clear, like building an artificial intelligence platform is not trivial. This is challenging. And so I think how most customers or how most property managers need to be thinking about this is what can I do to make sure my data and my business is ready for it? I think it's a very small group who are ever going to have on staff artificial intelligence engineers, at least in the next five, 10 years. And so this is more about how do I integrate with services that are being developed at scale? And so uh, I think number one, be a good steward of your data. Uh, if you're migrating software platforms, certainly make sure that you are retaining all of your archives, keep all of your old CRM data, keep all of your old reservation data, even property data. That stuff is, is going to be known as training data. Retain that as long as you can. Evan mentioned GA. 
certainly that's a, a fantastic place to start. Our solutions in particular are highly integrated with GA and dependent on it in some cases. And so I will continue reminding people to migrate to GA4 before the deadline this summer. Uh, if you haven't done that yet, please do. A lot of us received emails in the last couple of weeks saying Google was going to do it for us. Uh, read the fine print. It's not going to get you e-commerce tracking. It's going to leave out all of your goals. And so uh, you might have some basic tracking, but uh, make sure you're a good steward there. Get your GA4 set up and configured. Have your e-commerce tracking set up in there um, because there is a lot of actionable, actionable data that you can personalize with and leverage using AI or not. So make sure you retain that. If you're evaluating new software, I think something that we need to start considering is who owns that data. Let's make sure that the data in your reservation system is not being used to feed somebody who could become a competitor to you. Let's make sure that you retain the ability to own your data, that it's portable, and that you need to use it. I think those are questions we're starting to see people ask software providers more and more because it is more important. This is an asset that we've been growing and building into something that's got some real equity over the last 20 years, don't give it away. So I'd say that's that's the biggest thing you can do that's actionable. Be a good steward of your data. Archive it, uh, take care of it, make sure that you're on platforms that allow you to retain ownership of it. And there's low-hanging fruit out there. GA is a, an afternoon of work to get integrated with for most folks. Um, well worth your time and will provide tons of insights back into the business on how you're acquiring customers, where customers are spending time on their site, where they're falling out, maybe where there's opportunity to improve. So it, it's all on the data side. Retain as much as you can, gather as much as you can, and make sure that you have control over it. When you say be a good steward of your data, I'm, I'm curious. I, I have a question that immediately comes to my head. Security. Where does this come into play with data? Because when I think of like, okay, if I'm transferring over to a new property management software or maybe changing CRMs, do I just put this in a Google Drive folder? Do I have to buy a hard drive and become like a, a coding or tech? You know, I have these, they're like on TV or, or, or a movie where it's all these like warehouses full of servers and all this crazy stuff that people are trying to break into. What, when it comes to security, what does this actually mean for being a good steward of your data? Sure. So I think first off, for any of the mainstream property management software solutions out there, uh, secure databases, table stakes, all of them are showing up with uh, reasonably secure practices there. And I would say uh, you do want to migrate into something that's secure. Uh, you don't want to be storing this on a Google Drive. You don't want to be storing this on a local hard drive or anything like that, not just for security, but for, for safety reasons. You could lose that very easily. And so secure cloud storage is cheap these days. Highly recommend, you know, you can get a backup through something like S2 um, with Amazon Web Services. Google's got plenty of offerings too. So cloud storage is cheap. You can leverage that as a backup. But when you go through that data migration, you know, you probably want all of your historical CRM and reservation data in your new PMS anyway. If you're keeping it there and you have the ability to export that and care for it, that's, I think, acceptable for most folks. We don't need to have somebody build out a, a supercomputer storage room uh, or anything like that on property. I don't think we're there anymore. So GDPR and security concerns are a real thing, though. Um, you know, we, we don't want to see this stuff just hanging out in a spreadsheet. We don't want to see it in something that's, you know, accessible via an open web without strong authentication and authorization practices. Um, these are questions for your software provider in general. Um, you know, unless you're really at scale, if you're doing, you know, millions and millions year after year, you probably have an IT staff that's cognizant of these things. And then uh, to be clear, I'm speaking to the American audience. I'm, I'm not qualified to talk GDPR on European terms and, and guide folks there. Um, that brings with it a whole nother set of requirements that I think is well tread ground. 
But um, I think for Americans, it's, it's, it's uh, how would you want your own data cared for? You don't want it on something that's easily accessible. You wouldn't want your home address or your income uh, being something that could be stumbled across on the internet. So take care of it. And, and that means making sure that it's placed in a secure database, that it's only accessible via folks who you authorize to access it. Yeah, for sure. I remember working for Marriott when they had their first kind of data hijacking happen. And uh, man, was that a was that a storm to be a part of? But no, this has been really helpful. And and honestly, like even just breaking it down in these different ways and asking simpler questions like, Evan, what does deployment mean? <laughs> Give me an example of deployment. Uh, I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of the listeners. It's been helpful for me. So I just want to say thank you to you both for joining me on this episode. If you had to leave the audience with one thing, each of you get one item, one item or one takeaway or one one last closing comment, what would it be? And Evan, I think we can start with you first, my friend. Yeah, mine would be just start doing it. Start cultivating data, start speaking the language. It's not fun to be a little player being muscled around by bigger players. And the data environment is becoming much more competitive. Data is becoming scarce, just as Braden mentioned. Big tech isn't playing nicely anymore. They're not sharing data. Cookies are coming. Cookies are ending by 2024. GDPR is coming to America. So just driving direct bookings is going to be virtually impossible going forward if you don't have any data. So uh, if you want to control your own destiny, if you want to remain autonomous from the OTAs, my message is cultivate as much data across your PMS, your marketing, your Google Analytics, because one day that will be useful. So uh, even though it doesn't make sense to you today, still cultivate it and uh, it'll, it'll pay dividends in the future. I would encourage folks, anybody involved with the design of a direct booking experience, if you are a marketing manager and you are responsible for your own company's direct booking site, or if you're working for an agency, I would encourage us to really start looking outside of our own industry. I think that's something that's really hampered us is, you know, we, there's a lot of, it's a bit of an echo chamber. We see those ideas bounce around between the different agencies and companies, whether it's revenue management or web or whatever. The real development and innovation is happening in the e-commerce space, and specifically the large-scale e-commerce. And so I think we would all do well to take a real critical eye towards transactions we have every day that are totally outside of the hospitality space. Look at how you're buying anything online, how that experience is personalized for you, how friction has been removed, how easy it is to check out on platforms like that, and then compare that with your own platform. If folks are having to re-enter their uh, their credit card number and address and go through a multi-step checkout process. You know, the technology has really grown since you've built that. And, you know, let's look for ways we can reduce that friction. Let's draw inspiration from e-commerce. Let's draw inspiration from the folks who have a lot of capital to point at these problems and borrow from there if we're going to be borrowing anybody's ideas at all. I love it. This is great. For all of you Slick Talk listeners out there, check out the show notes. Obviously, like I said, we're going to plug in the first episode that Evan and I did just last week. But then also anything that was discussed in here, I'll make sure that we have some kind of link or resource for you guys to just simply click on and, and follow through and make it, like uh, Braden just said, make it super frictionless and easy for you to follow and just start implementing stuff today. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast. It's always a pleasure. And for all the listeners and live viewers, we will see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. 